0: To another episode of Nourish, Eat, Repeat. We have a special guest on our episode today that I'm really excited for you to meet. I think we're going to have a great conversation. Um, And I know that uh, these are some questions that I personally have that I'm excited to find answers to. And I know that a lot of our clients have a lot of these same questions. So I think this is going to be a really fun conversation. Uh, Michelle Reichman is a personal trainer, trainer, yoga teacher, and health coach with her doctorate in physical therapy. She is the host of the Healthy Beyond 40 podcast, and she helps women who have put themselves on the back burner finally get in shape, optimize their metabolism, and lose weight for good without dieting. So, Michelle, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Michelle, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, how you got involved in the health and wellness space um, between physical therapy and, and a whole host of other things that you do. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So I've always had a passion for health and wellness and really that prevention side of health. And I found that, so I'm also a mom of four. After I had my third child, I remember going up a flight of stairs and being out of breath and knowing that something needed to change because I didn't want to live like that. I wanted to be able to move and feel good. And it made me think. So going up a flight of stairs doesn't take long. So I don't need to exercise long because I had three little kids. My time was limited, trying to keep them alive. And then you just feel exhausted. So I started with 10 minute workouts and I kept things simple. I went back to the basics of nutrition, just trying to eat more whole foods. And then I finally started to feel better. So I'm really passionate about helping other women do that same thing. How can we keep things simple? How can we keep things quick and go back to the basics so that we can take care of ourselves? Because it gets really hard to not take care of ourselves.
0: Yeah. Oh, I I resonate with so much of this. We have an old farmhouse. So we have three stories. And I remember carrying a child up two flights of steps for nap time and basically having to stop at the... The top of the second flight of stairs and catch my breath before I was able to transfer them into their crib. It was, I was like, oh, something's gotta, something's gotta be different.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's hard carrying a child, a sleeping child up too. <laughs>
0: yeah, if I was lucky enough to have them sleeping while I was carrying yeah. them up, but um, but I, I like you, um, in my journey too, kind of had to start back at the basics because everything else felt so overwhelming. So it was more of focusing on, okay, what can I do versus giving myself the list of the reasons why I couldn't.
1: Yeah. And there's so many diets out there. There's so many intense exercise programs and a lot of times we don't really need that. We need to just start with what feels doable, really going back to those basics. Right.
0: And so that's what I want to talk specifically about
1: today is,
0: um, women specifically, and women over 30. So I'd love to talk about why do the rules change after 30? And, and what are those new recommendations? Because our bodies
1: are changing. They are changing. So we do have hormones that start to change in our body. So as women, we have testosterone in our body too. And in our 20s, that starts to drop. And then in our 30s, growth hormone starts to drop. And then our other female hormones, the progesterone and estrogen drop as we get into our forties and fifties. So all that makes a difference in how our body works and how our muscles work. But really what happens more importantly than that is our lifestyle changes a lot. Typically we start moving less. So if we think back into our teens and our twenties we were just moving more maybe we were in college and you're walking between buildings and you just have this movement in and then we get jobs and we tend to be more sedentary we tend to exercise less so when we exercise less we're losing muscle mass and that has a huge effect on our metabolism because the more muscle we have the more calories we are going to burn and then a lot of times we're stressed and stress in itself cannot be good for our health and cause us to gain weight and not want to exercise and not want to move. So we have all these pieces that start to come together. So as we're moving less, exercising less, we're more stressed, we're not eating as well. It makes our bodies start to change. But a lot of those factors, there's some of those hormones that they're going to decline and we can't change that. but there's these lifestyle factors that we can start working on and especially with movement and with exercise.
0: Yeah, I'm just as you're talking I'm trying to even think how that applies to to my own life. And in my early college years, I was waitressing. So not only am I walking between classes, I'm my job was very active. I was playing sports. And then in my 30s when I went back to or when I started nutrition and I was sitting down and <laughs> I was That's talking fun. to clients. So my job became much more sedentary. Um I became a chauffeur. In my 40s, a professional chauffeur for my children. So here I am back to sitting down again. And so you're right. It's just our, there was no intention to be more sedentary. It just kind of evolved with where I was at in my personal professional place.
1: Yeah. And I think it gets so easy to like, oh, it's hormones or to blame it on something more external. And sometimes that might be part of it, but also what can we take responsibility for, for how we're living and just becoming aware of how our habits and how our lifestyle has changed because those things are within our control and those things we can do something about.
0: Okay. So when it comes to exercising after 30, is there a specific formula we should be following? Are there certain exercises we should be gravitating towards or is the general recommendation just more movement?
1: Yeah, so we definitely want to make sure that we're moving more. But when it comes to exercise, my one disclaimer is find something that you're actually going to do, because then you're actually going to do something and you'll stay consistent. But if I had to give a preference on the type of exercise, it would be a strength training based one, because what happens is when we're not doing strength training. And so when we're doing strength training, we feel that muscle burning and that muscle is breaking down and building back up again and getting stronger. And that's what we want because we don't want to keep losing muscle mass as we age. We're going to lose it a little bit, but it's highly dependent on how we're using our bodies. So if you think of someone in their 80s and you're picturing them in your mind, you're probably picturing someone very frail. Someone who's lost a lot of muscle mass. And so what we want to do, even starting in our 30s, is how can we start incorporating strength training? And it doesn't have to be complicated. We can start with 10 to 30-minute workouts a few times a week. And you can do that from home. So I am only pretty much work out from home. And I have some hand weights. I have bands. You don't have to have a lot of equipment. You can do body weight. You can do yoga that's made for strength training, but you start to build up these muscles. And not only are you getting that benefit of building your muscle mass, but you're also just starting to feel better and feel stronger. And even your balance will improve the way your body feels. is just going to start feeling better when you start adding some strength training in.
0: So if somebody wanted to start strength training, they've had no experience in the past. They don't even know if. They don't know what equipment to get. I know you said you don't mean much, but again, thinking I've never done this before. I don't know the first thing about it. What are some of those beginning steps that you would recommend to somebody?
1: Yeah. So start really small and everybody is different. So some personality types will like to push hard, feel like they have to do something longer and harder to start off. And those people typically won't be able to maintain it. They're going to get burned out. Their bodies are going to get too fatigued and they'll die off. So I like people to start slow. So when I'm starting with a client who hasn't really done any strength training, we're going to start with about five to 10 minutes a few times a week. And then we're slowly going to bump that up. So you really need to start small. Let those muscles wake up because you want some soreness, but you don't want to be so sore that you don't want to come back in two days to do another workout. So start small and really, if you're a beginner, start with some body weight exercises, like doing squats. And we all do that when we go into and out of a chair. So learning how to do that movement correctly so it feels okay on your knees and your back, but different body weight moves that you can do without any equipment is a good way to start. If getting equipment is um, gonna stop you from getting started, there's ways to start without having anything.
0: Do you recommend starting with the bands first before moving to the hand weights and dumbbells or do you have a preference?
1: No, it doesn't really matter either way. Um, They're just gonna work the muscles a little bit differently. And I mean, you can do things with a band that you can't do with a weight and vice versa. Um, Bands are really cheap. So those are easy to start with and you can get the circle bands. So they make a circle or the ones that are just long. Um, And you can have both or one or the other, but knowing um, some different exercises to do with them so that you can get started. And also when we're talking about strengthening, we want to think of our whole body. So most of us are not um, bodybuilders or athletes. So we want to focus on making sure that we're strengthening our whole body. So our arms, our legs, knowing how to do our core correctly. So you could do that where you're doing a full body strength training training monday wednesday friday three days a week having space between them you know some people as they get more into training they might split up those days but for me i usually do a total body workout and just spreading those out a little bit um, throughout the week
0: so speak a little bit about why we want to put a day in between strength days what is the benefit of that
1: yeah, so we're giving our muscle times to recover. So when you're doing strength training, again, you should be feeling that burn in the muscles. So that's telling us that that muscle is working. And then what happens after that is that muscle needs to repair and rebuild. So giving it time to do that. So what I typically like to do is the way you strength train, you can strength train your muscles differently. So usually two or three days a week, I'm doing a little bit of hit with strength training. And then on those other days, I'm doing yoga for strength training, but I'm working my muscles differently. And the yoga will incorporate more stretching and flexibility along with some strength too. But it gives my body a little bit of variance. So it's not getting burned out. And those same muscles aren't getting super fatigued doing the same thing.
0: And so one of the things you mentioned was if you're strength training too at too high an in intensity to the point where you're You can't walk or you can't go up and down stairs or going to the bathroom is a challenge. And I think we may have all experienced something like that at least one point in our lifetime. Um, So do you recommend waiting until that soreness completely goes away before restarting again? Or how do you what do you recommend to work through that?
1: Yeah, you can have a little bit of soreness. So if you're getting where it's like super painful to go upstairs or sit down on the toilet, that means you pushed it too hard. So that means you might need a little more days to recover, but when you go back to your next workout, think how can I bump it down a notch? And for some people, that personality that links to push harder, you might have to do your exercises and it might not need to feel as hard, but it really depends on the personality type here. So you have to scale it back so that that doesn't happen. Because you should be able to walk down, or you might go up the stairs, and oh, I really feel the front of my leg muscles, and that's okay. But it shouldn't be like you are squinting and grunting getting up those stairs because it hurts so much.
0: When somebody is starting out with strength training um, and they want to buy some dumbbells, what do you recommend to start? I know that's it's different for every person, but what's a good general rule or a good general thought?
1: Yeah, to have a variety because. Different muscles in our body are smaller and some are bigger. So, really, depending where you are, you could potentially start with some three pounds because shoulder exercises, you typically need a little bit lighter. So, you could start with three, five, eights. Or if you think you're ready, you could do like five, eight, tens. I think both of those are sort of a good range. So, you have that lighter, that medium, and that heavier weight. And buying weights can be a little bit of investment of a money, but you get to keep those. Like, I think I've had my hand weights for like 20 years, you know, they really last. So know that when you're buying that, it's something that you're going to get to keep. And those should really last. Um, and then as you continue strength training, maybe you have tens where your highest weight. And as you keep strength training, you're like, wow, I could really bump it up. Then maybe you add on to your collection of what you have. And as I was talking about that, so typically when you're doing strength training, you want those reps to be in about eight to 15 reps. So if I'm doing bicep curls, that means I can do eight to 15. It's typically a good range for most people. so once you're getting to that 15, it's going a little more towards endurance. You're still getting some strength benefit, but especially once you're at the 20, you're really building more endurance and that can be good for you, but we also wanna be able to bump that weight up. So if you can do something for 20 reps, Really, fifteen to twenty reps—that's your sign to get a heavier weight, or you can also do hold. So maybe you're holding at the top, at the end, to give that a little bit more of a challenge. So you're really working that muscle. Mm-hmm.
0: That makes sense. Or speeding up or slowing down the up and the down motion too, right?
1: Yes, slowing will definitely make it harder too.
0: Okay, and with good form,
1: we should add. Yes, right? as long as you can do it
0: with good form. Yes. Okay um do you recommend strength training in front of a mirror to check your form the entire time or what's a good way to make sure that you're it is properly Um, and safely
1: yeah as long as looking in the mirror doesn't make you self-conscious or self-critical because there can be a lot of self-hatred sometimes the way we're doing things or if somebody isn't they would consider an athlete they really are a lot harder on themselves as they start to exercise so make sure you don't have that but the nice thing about looking in a mirror is you can check your form because a lot of times we're not really quite aware of where our body is in space or how it's moving and if we can look into a mirror we can see that but once you've looked into a mirror and you sort of got the hang of how to do something you don't need to look in the mirror every time but if you have that option to check it out make sure you're doing right And you know, those cues with my clients, we're always working on making sure that we're having good form, telling them specific things to look at as they're doing the exercise that will help you to exercise in a way that's not going to harm your body. That's, you know, not going to injure yourself and really get that muscle movement down. Right. So that muscle memory, because we don't want to get muscle memory of doing a squat, in the wrong position because that's what we're going to be bent to do. So we want to make sure when we're learning these new exercises, we are learning how to do them correctly.
0: I remember I worked with a trainer at one time just more out of curiosity than anything. And I was like, I think I push myself, but I don't know, maybe I don't. And so I, I bought a couple of sessions and and I remember he told me he's like, I'm not even handing you a weight until you can properly demonstrate that you can do the movement safely. Um and I was like, I'm I'm good. And he's like, Nope. We're every single exercise you will be doing without weight first to prove that you can do it safely. And and I really respected that because I know so many people will will go somewhere and they'll jump right in and they'll start lifting weights that they have no business lifting, injure themselves, and now they're they've taken 10 steps backwards. They're feeling upset, frustrated, depressed that now mm-hmm. they're injured and then that can snowball into yeah. other unhealthy behaviors.
1: Yeah. And it's really getting that muscle memory down. It's sort of like coordination, like just riding a bike, you're figuring out how to coordinate your body to do it. And it's the same thing with doing these exercises. It's really just learning how to coordinate your body, how to move, how to make sure things are in alignment as you do it. So you don't need any weight or extra pressure to do that. You want to get that first, just like you said.
0: So I actually was doing some research and I I heard this concept called snack exercising. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it was the concept of, um, you know, how we eat snacks throughout the day to keep our blood sugar stable and to get in um, the adequate amount of nutrients into our body. But what if we looked at exercise as instead of like, it needs to be 30 minutes of exercise. And, and honestly, trying to block 30 minutes can be really challenging. I know we all have 24 hours, but we don't all have the same 24 hours. Yeah. And so the concept was if we can build in small increments of exercise whether it be at the top of the hour or whether it be connecting it to an activity that you already do at the same time every day that you still can reap the benefits just as if you blocked out a longer period of time. Do you find that to be true or or do you Yeah, disagree? and I-
1: Yeah, it depends on the person in their life, what's really going to work for them. And I like to think of movement and exercise as two different things. So movement is just sort of getting your steps and moving our body more. We live in a really sedentary society. We tend to sit a lot. So when people think of 10,000 steps, that's usually that movement piece. I'm not saying you have to get 10,000 steps, but that's the movement piece. And then exercise is when those muscles are burning or your heart rate is getting up. So I want you guys to think of those as two different pieces. So when you're saying getting those bits in throughout the day, especially how can we get more movement in and just walk, just get up more. And then definitely with exercise. So we really want to move our bodies a lot and we want to exercise a little. So we don't even need to exercise a lot. And then that exercise is perfect. Like some days you could literally just do five or ten minutes of strength training or you know, whatever type of exercise that you want to do. You could do that once a day. You could do two, 10 minutes twice a day. I never exercise more than 30 minutes. I might go for a longer walk or something that's more movement-based longer, but we really don't have to exercise that long. But we do need to make sure that we're getting movement in and walking around our house or work or further in a parking lot or those little bits and pieces.
0: So we talked a lot about strength. And you mentioned, like, especially for women over 30, this is the one type of exercise that we should be focusing on. What about cardio? Where does that fit in to the exercise recommendations?
1: Yeah, I feel like in the past, it's always been like moderate intensity exercise, you know, that's what is recommended to us. But we want to make sure that we're getting that strength training. And the thing when people tend to focus more on cardio and try to do cardio longer is sometimes that can stress people's metabolism. So when you do a cardio session, you're burning a lot of calories at one time and our bodies want to keep us alive. They want energy. So a lot of times after we do a long cardio session, we have these hunger hormones that bump up and people will notice that they're super hungry after they've done an hour cardio session and they just feel ravenous and like they need to eat. So you wanna notice that that is happening to you after you do cardio. And then, so the one thing I do like that includes cardio is doing HIT, which is high intensity interval training. And you have to actually do this as intervals. I've like pulled up so many videos on YouTube And they're basically cardio workouts. There's no like interval, there's no rest, but there's a lot of science that's coming out with hits. So you're doing this interval of really pushing yourself hard. So you're max. So you might do that and it can really vary anywhere from 15 seconds to 60 seconds. And then after that, you're having a rest where your heart rate starts to come down. And it's also allowing your muscles to recover so that after that rest, you can sort of push hard again. So that rest, it depends what you do, could really be anywhere from 30 seconds to two minutes. I've even seen five. But this way of doing this hit training doesn't tend to stress our metabolism much and you don't wanna do hit super long. So when I do it, it's 10 minutes, but you could do it a little bit longer than that, but it shouldn't be a long session. So it should be this interval. And if someone wants to do cardio and enjoys cardio, just notice how your body is responding after and make sure that you're not getting super hungry, super ravenous, where you feel like you need to eat stuff and it's sort of sabotaging your goals. You might need to just bump it up slower. So if you enjoy running and you want to run, maybe start with 10 minutes and then slowly bump that up and make sure it's not affecting the way your hormones are working in your body
0: does that change as we get older? Like, do we, I think I read a study one time where it said like women are more likely to be hungry after cardio where men are not. Um, but I was curious if that even changes throughout a woman's lifestyle, uh, lifespan, whereas when she's might be in her teens and twenties, she doesn't notice a difference in her hunger level, but after 30 or 40, she does.
1: Do you know that to be true? I haven't seen anything in the literature about that for like the life of a woman. I think just when we are younger, we tend to be more active and have more movement in general as we were talking. So you may not see that effect of like eating a lot after you did a cardio session as you do when you're older and your lifestyle has changed. And men's and women's bodies are very different. So even I'm sure you know with nutrition, the way different diets and foods affect men are different from women. So it's a little bit the same thing, but men might also notice this too, but they typically have more muscle mass and their bodies are just built a little bit different. So the effect is probably seen greater on women.
0: Okay. Another thing that I heard was and I think this is true across the board, not just a, a man-woman specific uh, issue, but I read that as we become, or as we add more exercise to our day, um, subconsciously our our movement decreases. It almost as if like, oh, I did my workout today. I checked that box. And so now I have permission to be more sedentary the rest of the day, or maybe our body just naturally tends to be more sedentary to create that homeostasis, not, you know, not be stressed yeah. out. Do you find that to be true?
1: Yeah. And I think two things. So keeping the idea of movement and exercise separate and really differentiating those two and then noticing, making sure you're not buffing your exercise up too quickly or too intensely where you feel so fatigued after it. So how can you do it? Start a little bit slower, a little less intense and build your way up so you're not getting to that feeling like oh I just need to like sit on the couch I can't even do anything
0: right yes we go too hard too fast and then we're exhausted yeah and then we miss that critical movement piece which is actually contributing towards our metabolism right
1: yes yeah so the walking piece or that movement piece helps to increase the basic metabolic rate of our body so the way our body handles energies and burns calories so the more movement we're getting in throughout the day, the more calories our body's gonna burn. But tip, like unlike cardio, getting this movement in isn't gonna stress our metabolism because we're burning these calories so slowly. It's not intensely and cramped together like cardio, it's a really slow burn. And it's really how our bodies were designed. So you can think of just walking more, cleaning your house, parking further, going grocery shopping up and down the aisles. We're just moving our bodies and that can be really beneficial to our metabolism.
0: So do you recommend more walking versus running after age 30 or does that, can you do both or is one preferred over the other?
1: You can do both. And obviously regardless of either one you want that walking piece in because we just want to move more we want to get more steps in whether that's sort of moving around throughout your day in your house or going for an intentional walk and that intentional walk doesn't have to be fast it can be a slower pace it can be leisure it can be enjoyable and really adding the running in that's up to the individual sometimes it can be hard on our bodies our joints especially as we get older But obviously, there's lots of women who are still able to do that. So I think really just tuning into your body and figuring out what do you enjoy and making sure that you're actually listening to your body and know that, you know, we have that um, sign, that sign isn't the word slogan, like no pain, no gain. But that's really not the way we want to live. We don't want to have our bodies in pain just because we're pushing so hard to run or to reach a goal but making sure we're having that different movement in like strength training, having time to stretch, having time for movement and getting all those different pieces in.
0: So that actually brings me to my next question. What, like, where does flexibility and stretching fit into this puzzle? Because sometimes it can be hard, like you gotta pick something and I don't have time for all the things. So how do we integrate that critical piece into our our lifestyle?
1: Yes, you can only do so much and stretching typically gets put on the back burner. That's the one reason I really like yoga because yoga incorporates so much. So in yoga, if you're doing one that is strength training based, you're getting that strength training, you're getting the balance, you're also getting flexibility, you're getting the deep breathing, that's really calming to our nervous system. So yoga can be a great way to incorporate that flexibility into it. Another time I like to add stretching is definitely at the end of workouts when your body is warm. So maybe sitting down, letting your heart rate come down and just sort of stretching. Those muscles are warm. They're going to move a little bit more. Also, other times I stretch is in the evening, like maybe watching TV, like I've literally just stretched on the couch or maybe I'll get onto the floor or before you're going to bed. Stretching can also be very calming, especially if you add it with some deep breathing. And There's so many parts of our body to stretch. So I think also figuring out what are the couple stretches that you really need? Do you need to stretch the hamstrings, the back of your legs, maybe your shoulders, just figuring out those couple and trying to do those each day?
0: Yeah, I noticed when I integrate more stretching, which like you said, it's the first thing to go. I'm like, I don't need to do that. But as I get older, it's becoming more and more apparent that I can't skip it. Yeah. Um, but I've noticed an improvement in my flexibility. Just adding that like three to five minutes after a workout um, has made a big difference and it allowed me to show up the next day without too much soreness. So yeah, it's definitely beneficial. Yeah. So if you have somebody, so we keep talking about exercise over 30. So um, when we're talking to maybe those new moms, right. The, you know, you just had a kid, it's nap time. You've got to decide, Am I going to exercise? Am I going to make dinner? Am I going to clean? Am I going to sleep? Right? Because those are like a a daily challenge that you have to decide. How am I going to take care of myself or my family or my home? What are your suggestions to somebody who is in their 30s, kind of either with small children, trying to maybe figure out how to go back to work with kids? How do you integrate exercise into your day when you're at that part of your lifestyle?
1: Yeah, I think Yeah, taking time to sort of get quiet and really figure out what your priorities are. Are there things you can let go? Are there things you can get help with outside of your house or asking people inside of your house? Because a lot of times we need a little bit more support and help, and most of us are not drawn to doing that. Like, we can't do it all. So figuring out what you need. And, you know, when it comes to nap time, I think it's also important, like, what do you need during that nap time? Maybe there's a mom that does need a nap and that's more important than exercising. So take that nap. But it's really taking that time to tune into what you need and not what you think you should get done or not what you need to check off your to do list is just allowing that time. And remember, when it comes to exercise, we can do it small. We can do it quick. We can do it when our kids are awake. They can see us, especially if you have toddlers or preschoolers. It's okay. It's good to exercise in front of them and let them come do it with you. I have like some videos of when my kids were toddlers and they would exercise me and I would have this one video, the circle bands. My son was putting it around the back of his head. So it came around his boarding and he had, like doing really weird things with it. He wasn't going to strangle himself. Um, But he was having a good time and I wasn't going to spend the time to sit there and correct him, but he was just having a good time with me and they're moving their bodies too. So I think that can be a great way to just incorporate exercise around them so that you can use that quiet time to do things that you need quiet for. But there's also times when I enjoyed working out by myself and I needed that break. So really just knowing what you need and taking that time to go through those priorities.
0: What would your advice be to somebody who maybe has older kids and finding themselves more in the chauffeur stage and the working going, you know, in the workforce again? Um, What's your recommendation to them in terms of trying to find time to exercise?
1: Yeah, I think it's all again about that intention, like really sitting down at the beginning of the week. When are you going to work out? And if you use an electronic calendar, like Google calendars or something like that, have a block for exercise. And again, only 30 minutes. And where are you going to incorporate that? If you're taking your kid to soccer, can you work out at his soccer practice? Can you bring some bands with you? You can do some body weights. Could you do a 10-minute HIT workout? But figuring out how, and even though it may feel a little uncomfortable or you might feel weird working out in front of other people, is how can you start incorporating that and making it work in your life? And is there something you guys need to let go of? Because our body and our health is important. And as Americans, we tend to put our health on the back burner. We tend, because a lot of times we don't see those health complications till way further down the line of not taking care of our body. So really figuring out how can I start prioritizing this and keeping it simple and putting it on my calendar? Because when you put it on your calendar, you're making that a priority.
0: Yeah, great advice. Um, Would you say that there's, For this population group, is there a best time of day to exercise?
1: The best time of day is going to be the time that you are going to do it. There's really no magic. You don't really want to do an intense workout right before bed because most people will find that sort of disrupts their sleep. So you could do something more calming like stretching, but you really just got to find that time of day that you are going to do it. So even if you wake up in the morning and you feel naturally a little stiffer, But that's your time that you can work out, finding workouts that you can do that still feel okay when you're a little bit stiffer, but get your body moving.
0: And then along with that, especially since we're speaking to women, is there certain exercises we should be doing during different parts of our cycle?
1: Yeah, so there's no rule. So there's nothing you can't do during your cycle. But what most people aren't doing is listening to their body. So it is typically a time where our bodies want us to slow down. So really tuning in to that and being okay. Cause some people we get so regimented or this is our routine, this is what we do. But when our cycle comes, typically our energy is gonna go down. We might feel crampy, we might have a little pain. So maybe I might shift more towards yoga or stretching or maybe light strength training during that time. But there is no rule, you're not gonna harm yourself if you push yourself harder. But I think it just goes back to the idea of how can we actually listen to what our body needs and how our body's actually feeling. Yeah.
0: I read a long time ago to the point now where I'm like, was that really true? I should go try to find the source of that. But I read that during our cycle, like day one of our, our menstrual cycle, our testosterone bumps up a little bit. And so we're actually at a place where strength training we're actually at one of our strongest times of the month on day one. And I always thought that was so interesting because I always feel like going fetal in a corner on day one. Um, But if our hormones are showing otherwise that we're actually stronger. So I actually started implementing strength training. Now, if it's like day one, I'm like, Oh, okay. I have to strength train today because I'm not going to be this strong any other time during the month. And I want to reap the benefits. And it's, I don't know if it's placebo effect I don't know if it's what it is, but I'm really enjoying strength training on day one. And I actually look forward to, oh, good. It's a strength day because I'm going to be extra strong.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the flow of testosterone during the cycle, but also typically mid cycle is when people will have more energy to, to do things. And that's like when you're more creative. So even just projects around the house, but that can also be a good time where you might feel that where you can bump up the intensity of your workouts too. Yeah.
0: So Michelle, I actually put um, some questions. I put the question out to our social media following, um, you know, Hey, we're going to do this interview for the podcast. What are your questions? And I got a few, so I was hoping that I could just, we could kind of flow through these yeah. um, and see what your answers are. Cause I think there were some really good questions and specific cases Um, so one of the questions was, is it necessary to do intense cardio or is walking enough?
1: Yeah. So again, for a lot of people, intense cardio may not feel good or feel good for their metabolism. So if you are just walking, I think that's great. And then I think it's just figuring out like, how can I add a little bit of strength training in to really build those muscles?
0: Great. Um, what are the best exercises, um, with equipment
1: for weak knees,
0: or maybe it's without equipment.
1: Yeah, sort of like we were saying before, you want to make sure any exercise that you are doing well. So this is going to be general. So if you're feeling pain, talk to a doctor, maybe see a physical therapist. But a lot of times people are having weakness in the front of their legs. So their quadriceps. So really gentle things to start with. This one doesn't need any equipment. As you can be sitting on the floor in an L so a pike position and just being able to lift that leg up off the ground and it's pretty hard like I don't use any weights I can do about 15 reps you know it will burn but it's activating the front of the muscle and the same thing if you're sitting on a bed with your knees at 90 degrees is straightening that leg and that's going to activate the front of that muscle too so it's also good to start with some of those would be non-weight bearing meaning you're not standing because you have a little bit more control over your body. So starting with some of those exercises before you even progress to squats, because squats are a lot of pressure. It can be a little complicated to do that correctly. So just, just to make sure that that was clear. So you're saying sit on the
0: floor with your feet out in front of you. So you're almost making an L shaped, right? Mm -hmm. Is that what you mean by pike? And then just lifting one leg off of the ground Um, and then holding it or just doing repetitions with it? Yeah,
1: you you won't be able to hold it that long. So lift it up and slowly come back down. And again, doing it slow, controlled, really squeezing the muscle at that front of the leg. So squeezing it tight. If your hamstrings, the back of your legs are tight, you might need to sit on a pillow to lift your hips up a little bit. But yeah, really simple, just lifting that leg up and down, but it's super hard. And you can play with holding it up too um, as you do it. Um, as you progress through it.
0: All right. What is the best exercise for someone with lupus and fibromyalgia?
1: Yeah, definitely going back to this idea of listening to your body, because it's really easy when you're having an autoimmune disease that your body is going to tank out pretty quick. So making sure that you're getting that movement in, just doing really short strength training sessions, and making sure that you're not pushing it too much. So really starting slow, progressing probably even slower than you want to so that that body doesn't get overburned and those muscles don't get overtaxed.
0: But you still would recommend strength training and and walking?
1: Yeah, typically, definitely talk to your doctor if there's a reason why you can't, or maybe if you're having a flare, you may not want to. But our bodies are meant to move. Um, so definitely to be functional, we need to walk, we need to move around and we need to have strength. I mean, even to get in and out of a chair, as people become older and weaker, they start to struggle with that. So we need strength in our muscles to do just functional basic things around the house um, and to keep our body strong as we age.
0: Is there a time when heat is better for sore muscles over ice?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of um, different information out for both. And Just my personal conclusion I have come to is sort of do what feels better. There's reasons to use both, but really I think it comes back to what feels a little bit better in your body. Does it feel better to use that ice or does it feel better to use that heat? Um, You know, heat is gonna bring more blood and blood flow to the area that can also help with healing. It can help to relax the muscles. Maybe you need a little more relaxation cold can also be good because it sort of um, stops as much cells and macrophages and different things coming to the area. Um, But some people, it can sort of tighten or spasm muscle. Ice can also relax the muscle for some people too. So I think really just figuring out what feels best for you. Okay, great.
0: Which is better, lightweight, high reps or heavyweight, low reps?
1: Yeah. So like I said, I think the best one is a weight that you're going to do about eight to 15 reps. Um, So it depends what they think if that's light or heavy, but that eight to 15 rep is a good mark to hit. And some people do lift heavier and do like maybe five reps. And there is some science for that, but I find it personally very hard to lift that heavy. I don't really like it, but that is something you could do. You just have to really make sure that you are having good form, that you are breathing and that it's feeling okay for your body. Great. And one last
0: question, how many times a week do we need to strength train to increase muscle mass?
1: Yeah. So I like to say at least three times a week, because what happens is when you strength train, you start to lose muscle mass very quickly. So you can even probably think of a time when you were sick or you took some time off, you sort of lose that muscle mass pretty quickly. So we wanna make sure that we are hitting and activating those muscles fr- frequently throughout the week. So every other day ish, or the same thing as I was saying with, I put my yoga on those in between days where I'm still getting some strength training, but it's working the muscle a little more different. It's holding the poses. It's using a little bit more endurance in my muscles. Um, but if you're only strength training once a week, you're typically not going to make too many gains in your muscle mass.
0: All right. Michelle, this has been so helpful. You have given us some great information, some really practical, tangible things that we can take home and start to apply. Um, so this has been a really fun conversation. Um, where can we learn more about you and, what you and what you practice and promote?
1: Yeah, the best way to find me is I have a podcast called Healthy Beyond 40. So that's in any of the podcast apps. So you can head there to find that. And I have lots of short, quick episodes, really giving practical tips on how you can start moving your body, eating well and keeping it simple. I think simple is the key, right? That's we're more yes. likely to stick with it if it's simple. Yes. Um.
0: So Michelle, we always conclude our episodes with a recipe. And so I was wondering if there was a recipe that you would like to share with us maybe a go-to recipe or one of your favorites that our listeners could enjoy as well.
1: Yeah, this has been one of a new one that I have just tried more for a snack because a lot of times for snacks, I just might do an apple with peanut butter, celery with peanut butter. You guys can do a lot of really simple things, but I made these bars. So um, in a bowl, you would mix a cup of almond flour, um, half a cup of chia seeds, um, half a cup of peanut butter, and you can put some coconut oil in there. And then I did a scoop of protein powder. And then you just mix it up. And then I put it in like a glass dish. And then so you can put chocolate chips in it. I actually don't like chocolate chips. But I put just a little drizzle of honey and spread it around. So very little honey. And then you put it in the fridge. And they harden a little bit. And I just cut it into pieces. And um, I've had this snack in the afternoon. So between my lunch and dinner. Um, and it's really helped fill me up and feel good. And it's something a little different because I don't normally have that or I try not to grab granola bars or even, you know, I'll use air quotes, healthy granola bars. There's not really many of them. So this was a nice thing to have at home.
0: And so there's no baking involved. It's just like putting it in like an eight by eight square baking dish and then cutting them into bars.
1: Yes, no baking. Um, yeah. And I use like, I have, I guess, Pyrex, you know, with the little lid you can put on top. So I just put it in there and put it in the fridge and then it hardens a little bit. So then you can cut it and just, um, you know, take out whatever piece that you want.
0: Perfect. Easy, simple, and a lot of great health benefits too. Yeah. And I'm assuming it's pretty filling with all those.
1: It is, you know, and I only grab these like couple small pieces, but it lasts me till dinner. So I've really like doing that. I love it.
0: Well, Michelle, thank you so much for, like I said, for your time, for your expertise and for sharing this information. I
1: think we learned a lot today. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me.
0: All right, everyone. That concludes our episode for the week. I hope you have a fantastic week and I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Neurosheet Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Bodymetrics Health. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.